That was more rhythm than you're allowed to have in church. That was awesome. I almost started tapping my foot. <laughs> uh, today we're going to be in Philippians chapter 1. You know, we're walking through Philippians the next few weeks. Uh, we're going to spend some time each Sunday walking through Paul's letter to the Philippians. Today we're going to be in Philippians 1. We're going to be in verses 12 through the end of the chapter, verse 30. So I invite you to turn with me in your Bible to Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 through 30. You can also follow along in your, own, in your, in your pew Bible if you don't have your Bible with you. Or uh, you can read along with us on the uh, order of worship, on the back of the order of worship. It's printed there as well. But I invite you to turn with me to Philippians chapter 1, will be verses 12 through 30. I want you to know, beloved, what has happened to me has actually helped to spread the gospel so that it has become known throughout the entire imperial guard to everyone else that my imprisonment is for Christ and most of the brothers and sisters, having been made confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, dare to speak the word with greater boldness and without fear. Some proclaim Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. These proclaim Christ out of love, knowing that I have been put here for the defense of the gospel. The others proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but intending to increase my suffering in my imprisonment. What does it matter? Just this, that Christ is proclaimed in every way, whether out of false motives or true, and in that I rejoice. And yes, and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers... With the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. It is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be put to shame in any way, but that my speaking with all boldness, Christ will be exalted now as always in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, living is Christ and dying is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that, that means fruitful labor for me. And I... And I, and I do not know which I prefer. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and to be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain with you in the flesh is more necessary for you. Since I am convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with all of you for your progress and your joy in the faith, that you, that I, so that I may share abundantly in your boasting in Christ Jesus when I come to you again. Only... Live out your life in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent and hear about you, I will know that you are standing firm in one spirit, striving side by side with one mind for the faith of the gospel, and are in no way intimidated by your opponents. For them, this is the evidence of their destruction, but of your salvation. And this is God's doing. For he has graciously granted you the privilege not only of believing in Christ, but of suffering for him as well, since you were having the same struggle that you saw I had and hear now that I still have. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. One of the interesting things we see when we study Paul's letter to the Philippians is the power of perspective. So much of last week, Paul talked about joy and rejoicing. All depends upon your perspective and your ability to rejoice in a place that may not be joyful. In many ways, is a power that you have through the Holy Spirit, but a power that comes from slightly shifting our perspective to see things in a different way. 
to see things from a certain perspective. That's a, that's a very powerful, powerful thing to, to have that ability to see things in that way. And that's an ability that only comes through the power of the Holy Spirit, which God has given to us who believe. And of course, God sends that same Holy Spirit to draw all persons to himself. But Paul today is talking about, he's talking today about, about all the stuff that he has gone through and his perspective is such a way that gives him the ability to see things, to see the good in things that otherwise you might not be able to see the good in. There is a powerful ability that comes from shifting your perspective and to being able to see the good in so many different types of things. Paul, Paul has that. And as I was, as I was reading this, uh, th- this week and reading some other stories to get some research on, on, this, on, this, on this text. I was reading different stories of individuals that had the power to see things from a certain perspective and to see things in a certain way. And one of the, one of the great stories that I, that I read this past week, it may be a story that you're familiar with, is, is Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan, of course, it depends on your opinion, I guess, but he is one of the greatest basketball players of all time. Most polls place him number one, but some would say no, it's Bill Russell or Wilt Chamberlain, some would say LeBron, but it depends on your perspective. But no one de- debates that Jordan was one of, if not the greatest basketball player of all time. Okay, great player. Championships in college, championships in the pros, Olympic gold medalist, owns a basketball team now, just successful in any way that an athlete, really a person, could be earthly successful. But here's the thing about Jordan. When he first started playing basketball, tried out for his eighth grade basketball team. You know what? He got cut from the team. Michael Jordan did not make his eighth grade basketball team. Wouldn't you love to be that coach now? (laughs) You know, yeah. Yeah, I cut Jordan. Oh, really? How many games did you win? Not many after that. You know, I mean, you you know, but, but think about that. How easy, how easy would it have been for Michael Jordan, one of the greatest players ever, to after being cut from his eighth grade team to say, well, I did my best and I tried and I didn't make it. How easy would it have been for him to have given up? For him to have said, no, I guess, I guess basketball is not in my future. I did my very best, and it didn't happen, so I'm going to quit now and move on to something else. Move on to baseball or football or something else. It would have been very easy for Michael Jordan to have done that. And frankly, you know, who could have blamed him? He didn't make his eighth grade team. It had been very easy for him to have done that. But instead, he shifted his perspective. It's very interesting if you study the rest of his life, he actually used that failure in eighth grade as motivation for the rest of his life to spur him to keep trying, to keep working, to not give up, to keep going, to keep going, to keep going. It all came down to a shift in perspective. Now, just like Michael Jordan, you can tell I'm an amazing athlete. I mean, the athleticism radiates off of me. You know, that's just, you can just sense the athletic. It's a good thing I'm wearing this robe right now. I'm just saying. Um, but one of the life changes in my life happened my senior year involving 
athleticism. I was at a, at a volleyball game in Bogachita, and uh, I have a vertical inch of literally inches. I mean, I can get like that high off the ground. It's amazing how high I can jump. It's just otherworldly. And so I was at this volleyball game going up to spike the ball. Like I said, somehow jumping that high, somehow I still managed to land badly on my ankle. And just, I tore my ankle all, all up. I mean, I was just, my entire senior Christmas break was spent, laid up because I hurt my ankle so bad. I spent that entire Christmas season taking my ankle from hot water to cold water, hot water to cold water in the two buckets, just doing that. And I don't sit still well now. I was a lot worse in school. I was miserable. Was mad at everybody. Mad at the school, mad at my parents, mad at, just mad at the world. I was just angry at everybody. And my mom was about done with me. Can you blame her? And so that Christmas break, she had gotten me a Bible. I'm like, fine, I'll read the Bible. Leave me alone. Something began to happen. Began to read the Bible. Began to read about God's grace. Began to read about the power of Jesus. And in that moment, I realized my need for God. And I'd done everything a person was supposed to do up to that point. I'd gone to church, baptized, confirmed, went, you know, was faithful in church attendance. But I'd never really made that decision to really and truly trust my entire life to Jesus. And I did it. And my life was changed in that moment. And through God's grace, he hadn't given me the ability to see that perspective, to move from the anger of that moment to something different. My life would not be the same. My tra- that, that literally changed the trajectory of my life. I would not be standing here before you this morning if that had not happened to me. It would have been very easy for me to have gone negative with a setback. It would have been very easy for me to remain angry at everybody because I spent that entire break laid up. It would have been very easy. Anger was, frankly, the easier option. But through God's grace, he helped me shift my perspective. Today in the text we just read from, if I was going to give this text of Philippians a title, I would call it, It's All Good. Because if you'll notice Paul's writing, everything Paul says in this text that is negative, Paul sees the good in it. Paul's in prison Okay, like, can you imagine Paul? Paul could have very well well have thought, God, I'm doing everything you want me to do. I'm preaching your word. I'm being obedient. I'm following you. And here I am chained in prison. You don't think Paul had every right to be angry at God? You don't think Paul had every right to be angry at the Romans? You don't think Paul had every right to be angry at the guards holding him in prison? Of course he did. Look what happened. He had done the right thing. He had done the very thing God asked him to do. And yet there he sat in prison. Who would have blamed him if he was angry? Who would have blamed him if he got mad at God and mad at everybody else? But what does Paul say? It's good that I'm here. Because the brothers and sisters know that I'm in prison for Christ and they are now preaching the gospel with more boldness. 
So there Paul is in prison when he has every right to be angry. He says, no, I see the good in this. God will use this for good. Well, we all kind of get, like that kind of makes sense. We can deal with that. But the next one's hard for us. Because Paul says, some folks preach God, preach Christ out of love. But others out of selfish motivation. And in fact, their preaching of the gospel might even be hurtful towards me. That's all good. Because Christ is being proclaimed. You don't think Paul couldn't have been jealous at those other people? I mean, look at Paul. I'm doing the right thing. I'm obedient. I'm doing the right thing. And there they are doing what they're doing, and they're getting all the blessings. You don't think it would have been very easy for Paul to have been jealous. Ooh, y'all. You don't think jealousy is not an issue for us? I mean, look at where they live. Look at the cars they drive. Look at the clothes they wear. Look at the friends they have. And here I am, God, trying to do my best. And look at all they got and all that's happened to them. And look at me. I think for those of us living in a pretty affluent place, that might be one of the hardest things we battle with. It's the battle to keep from giving our hearts over to jealousy and to seeing what all they have. And why can't I have it? It ain't right, God. Look at what I got. Look at what they got and what I got. Paul says, no, uh uh-uh. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what they got. It doesn't matter what they do. What matters is this, is that Christ is preached. And if Christ is preached, then that's all that matters. In fact, it's all good. It's all good that even if they're preaching Jesus out of unhealthy motives, it doesn't matter because Jesus is preached and Jesus changes lives. So Paul says, it's all good. Paul even sees his own death. See, okay, Paul's in prison, y'all. And he's got to know how this song ends. Paul, in the back of his mind, in his dark moments, probably realizes that this road for him ends in his death. It ends with him in the Colosseum being eaten by lions. It ends with his beheading. Or it ends with him being crucified. Paul has to know that most likely the road he is walking will end in his death. And Paul says, so I see my coming death and I don't know what I want. If I die, I go with Jesus. But if I stay here, I'm with you and I can help you. And I don't know which one's better. By the way, like if I have the option after church of being beheaded or eating lunch, I'm picking lunch. That's just me. Like I know what I would prefer. But Paul says, it doesn't matter. It's all good. If I get killed for the gospel, then praise the Lord. I'm going to see my Savior face to face. And what more does the believer long for than to hear their Savior say, Well done, my good and faithful servant, enter into your rest. Paul says, If I die, then I go to Jesus. But if I stay, I'm with you. And God will bless that. It's all good. 
It's all good. Even my suffering said my suffering will lead me to my deliverance. Everything Paul deals with, Paul has the grace of God to see the good therein. Paul can see the good. One of my favorite poems is by Robert Frost. You probably know it, probably learned it in school. The Road Not Taken. Where Frost writes these words. Two roads diverged in a yellow wood, and I was sorry I could not travel both. And be one traveler, long I stood and looked down one as far as I could to where it bent in the undergrowth. Then took the other just as fair, and having perhaps the better claim, because it was grassy and wanted wear, though as far the passing there had worn them really about the same. And both that morning equally lay, and leaves no step had trodden black. Oh, I kept the first for another day. Yet knowing how way leads to way, I doubted if I should ever come back. I shall be telling this with a sigh, somewhere ages and ages hence. Two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by. And that's made all the difference. You have a choice today, friends. You have a choice. Perhaps we are dealing with legitimate issues like Paul. Paul was not living a fairy tale. Perhaps you are dealing with sickness that is stealing your very soul, that is robbing you of your strength, robbing you of your dignity, robbing you of your very mind. And you're thinking to yourself, I can't do this, God. This is not fair. I can't handle this. This is too much. You very well may be right. But what I'm telling you, as Paul says, even our suffering can drink, bring us closer to the embrace of Christ, and God can use that. We can choose to see things in their worst light, or we can choose to see even the hand of God working through the difficult moments. You have the choice to cast a jealous eye towards others and what they have. You have that choice. You can. You can fixate upon what others have and what you don't have. And in that, you can rob your very soul of joy because what's accomplished in that? Nothing. That doesn't bring God, glory to God. And it doesn't bring peace to you. you. But you can choose that two roads are diverging. Even maybe you feel like you're in prison. Maybe not a literal prison. But perhaps you're in a prison of a job you hate. Perhaps you're in a prison of a school system you hate. Perhaps you're in a relationship that you hate. Perhaps you feel imprisoned by life. Well, first off, God didn't create you to live that way. But secondly, know that even in this time of waiting, even this time of angst, God is working. God is at work, and God will shape you in this. I'm not saying it's good, but I'm saying this. You have a choice today. What road will you walk down? Will you walk down the road that sees only the problems and the negative and the issues? Or will you walk down the road that sees God working even in the tough and difficult times? Because as Paul teaches us in Philippians, it's all good. Even the hard times, even the challenges, even the work, even the sweat, even the tears, even the loneliness, it is all good. Because God is at work. You know, Paul kind of wraps up this section with saying, I pray 
that you live a life worthy of the gospel. And that's how we do it. We live a life worthy of the gospel by choosing day by day, moment by moment, hour by hour, to look and to see the grace of God even in the difficult times, even in the times of trial, even the times of worry. We can see the good of God there even in those times. Paul saw them, and that is why Paul could rejoice because Paul had the perspective of God's hand even when it's hard to see. Paul understood that God was working even when his mind didn't understand it. Paul clung to Jesus even when it didn't make sense because Paul knew that God was there. So today, friends, we have a choice. What do we choose? What do we choose? Today, may we choose to see the goodness of God, even the difficult times. And may we choose to find the grace of God, even when life is hard. Because all things work for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. God is at work in your life, life of our church, and the life of the world. May we as believers in the resurrection always cling to that power of good and that power of hope. Let us pray. Gracious God, thank you for your grace and mercy, which is new each morning. Thank you, God, for your goodness, Father. Give us grace to see to understand, to see how you're at work, even in the times with challenges and trials. For you are good, and your mercy is new each morning. Thank you, O oh God. We love you. We ask it in Jesus' sweet and holy name. Amen. Our closing and invitational hymn this morning will be hymn 377, It Is Well With My Soul. Perhaps this morning you've never made the decision to put your full faith in Jesus Christ. Perhaps you're like me. You've done religion. You've gone to church. You've done all the stuff you're supposed to do, but yet you still don't feel the presence of God in your heart. Today is a great day to ask Jesus Christ into your heart and experience his grace and experience the power of forgiveness and mercy and salvation. Today is a great day to come accept Christ. We'd love to talk to you about how you can do that. Perhaps you'd like to learn more about joining our church. We'd love to talk to you about how you can become a member of St. Matthew's. Perhaps you'd just like to pray. We'd be honored to pray with you. The altar is open. But this morning, as we close with this great hymn of the faith, the altar is open. Won't you come?